Welcome back to the Volunteer State. I'm Blake Topmeyer alongside the Knoxville News Sentinels, Adam Sparks and John Adams. There are three of us on this podcast, but then there were two scholarship quarterbacks in Tennessee's QB competition to replace Hendon Hooker. Taven Jackson entered the transfer portal and has found his next home. He is an Indiana Hoosier now, and that leaves Joe Milton and Nico Iamaleava as the two quarterbacks for Tennessee. Now, of course, they were expected to be the headliners in the quarterback competition anyway, but Tennessee had hoped Taven Jackson would stick around and compete and add some depth to that position. But that's it, guys. Just just two scholarship quarterbacks plus a couple walk-ons. Adam, let's start with you. What does this mean for Tennessee here going into – um, you know, a couple months away from spring practice. How does this affect their outlook at that position? Is this a a big deal or not so devastating? Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you the glass half full to begin with, and that's this was probably inevitable. You know, I think Taven Jackson was probably going to jump into the portal either now um, in the in the in the January. Um, period when the portal is open to players or when it reopens, which is May 1st to May 15th. There's that second portal window, but teams can take players whenever, but that's when it's open, uh, December, January, and then again in May. And the May period is for guys that go through spring practice, reassess their status and say, hey, I'm not going to start here. I'm not going to be the backup. I'm going to jump into the portal now after spring practice uh, before the season. I, I think it was almost inevitable that he was going to go into the portal either now or later. So if, you know, which is harder for Tennessee, losing him now and then having the rest of the offseason to adjust, to look in the portal for other options, to not waste his reps in spring practice, you know, on a guy that was going to leave. Is it better to do that or to use all those reps and to think he's going to be there and to spend all this time time and attention to convince him to stay only for him to leave the blessing in disguise maybe is that he's gone sooner than later i do think for Taven jackson's side of this um you know i i've I've gotten a number of emails texts and these sort of comments from uh, from a handful a good number of ut fans that are like uh you know why do these kids leave why aren't they loyal why don't they stay why don't they what happened to the competitor in these kids? You know, if you want to start, go and beat the guy out. Um, I, I understand that competitor side of athletes. Uh, I very much appreciate the practical side, which I think usually these kids do not get. These young guys don't get practical advice um, or sometimes because they're so young, they don't think practically. They think more of, of emotion and competition and I'm always going to start and I should start and I'm just going to beat out the guys. Uh, this is a practical decision where you look at it and say, hey, I went through a whole, uh, I'm not going to put words in Taven Jackson's mouth, but you know, he went through a whole season of practices with Joe Milton and Joe Milton was clearly better in those practices. He was clearly better to the coaching staff. When Joe Milton played, he, he played pretty well. Um, and we've, we've covered that in other, uh, on other episodes. Um, he looked at Nico Iamaliava when he got there, the five-star, and said, this guy looks pretty good in bowl practices. And here he knows the background of this guy's getting NIL money, and he's a five-star, and he's highly touted. And he's probably going to pass up Taven Jackson if Taven Jackson stays eventually. So 
the practical decision is, okay, just go somewhere else and have a better chance to play. And Indiana is a slightly lower level, probably a good level for Taven Jackson. I appreciate the fact that a, that a kid made what was probably the smart decision practically. Tennessee may suffer from it, but um, but they, they can adjust, and that, that's what the portal's there for. I wonder if when Adam was a starting high school quarterback, if some other guys just transferred to another high school, uh, didn't want to compete with him, just moved on. Was that the case, Adam? Did anybody just leave? Uh, no, I lost my starting position because of mono, mononucleosis. <laughs> That's that's a whole other story. Uh, yeah, we, no, I think no, we should... no, nobody. Le- I would actually have been the Taven Jackson. I think I would have been the guy that would have looked in the portal to go to a a single A school that needed somebody that ran a five three forty and could throw uh, could throw a pass forty yards and no more. That nobody was looking at the time, but had they been, I would have, I would have, I would have looked elsewhere. Well, I, I think the dilemma Tennessee faces in, in this transfer era and NIL era, it's all about a quarterback who's transferring to get playing time, i.e. Taven Jackson goes to Indiana. He thinks he can start there, I guess. Uh, but now Tennessee's in a situation where it has two quarterbacks who are obviously one and two, and who's going who's gonna to come in and move ahead of them? So... That's going to be tricky. Uh, you put up a billboard and said third string quarterback needed. I, I don't know if that that creates a rush of uh, prospects. Maybe the solution is just to throw a lot of money at somebody. Find an FCS guy to offer him an amazing NIL deal to come in here and be a number three quarterback. Other than that, I would just say keep uh, keep Joe Milton and Nico healthy. Yeah, I think Tennessee's going to run into a couple of, of hurdles here as they look to add. I mean, surely they, at some point, whether it be now or, or after spring practice, will want to add a, a third scholarship quarterback just for depth reasons, if nothing else. I think they're going to run into a, a couple issues. Number one, John, as you were you were hitting on there, nobody wants to be a third-string quarterback these days. I'm not sure they ever did. I don't know that anybody was ever racing to the front of the line <laughs> to be a third-string quarterback. But when your options used to be to be a third-string quarterback or to sit out a season after transferring, a lot of guys chose to be a third-string quarterback rather than sit out a year. Now you don't have to sit out a year. So if the options are between being a third-string quarterback uh, or try your hand somewhere else, a lot of guys are, are going to uh, move on. And, and Tennessee is probably not the most appealing destination place because, you know, Ad, as Adam said, I think Taven Jackson could probably look and see the writing on the wall that it's Joe Milton's job to lose and that Nico is the future. I think other transfer quarterbacks will be able to see that as well. And Tennessee's not the only school dealing with this. We saw at LSU, their third string quarterback, Walker Howard, former highly rated recruit. I mean, he saw the writing on the wall there at LSU sitting behind Jaden Daniels and Garrett Nussmeyer, both of whom are set to return for the Tigers. And and so he hopped in the portal. And you know, I don't know that it was any hard feelings toward LSU, but the guy didn't want to spend another year as a third string quarterback. So he moved on. And I think similarly, attracting a third string quarterback can be quite difficult. So that's number one. Number two, I think it would be a little easier for Tennessee if if both of the guys at the head of its competition were veterans. 
you know, if you were going to have Joe Milton plus like a junior or senior um, battling it out for the QB spot, you might be able to bring in a young guy as a transfer who says, you know what, maybe I'll be third string this year, but come 2024, I can be the guy. Well, again, I think Tennessee could run into problems there in attracting a transfer quarterback because it's not just this year. You know, you have Joe Milton in the in the driver's seat for the job this year, but then you have Nico waiting in the wings for A, if Joe Milton doesn't pan out this season, he can slide in. And even and even if Milton has a great year, then Nico's ready to take the baton in 2024. So I just think as as exciting as Tennessee's offense is, as as much as Hinden Hooker flourished in it, uh, as good as Joe Milton looked in in the Orange Bowl working in Josh Heupel's system, I think attracting you know a, a quarterback who's really going to do much for this competition other than just add a warm body is going to be difficult um, because of the two guys in front of him. Yeah, I, I do think there's going to be a little uh, maybe a game of chicken uh, between Tennessee and and some potential suitors that for that quarterback spot and, and it's similar to what you get in maybe the what signing day used to be remember signing day when it was this big event in february you would get down to the last couple of days 24 hours and you know you would have two or three options of school would and you know you were offering guys but then you were pulling back and then you were going more aggressive and those you're trying to weigh which one of these guys you can get and and having, you know, your first option, second option, third option at a certain position. And then those same players would be looking at maybe it's their top three schools and sort of weighing how much, you know, when is the time to push the button and accept um, and commit and go? Um, when is the right time? Can you can you do it too early? Can you wait too late? And, and I think that could be the case uh, with Tennessee. There's, I mean, there's like 50 guys. There's like 50 quarterbacks in the portal right now that, don't have a school you can trim off a lot of those guys that are you know either they're not good enough they're just in the portal um or um guys that are really really good and so you're you're probably not going to get them i don't know why somebody would come knowing that they're sandwiched in between joe milton that was the orange bowl mvp and then nico who's the air the heir apparent um unless you're you know fine being a serviceable backup number three it's it's a it's a tough needle to thread um you know I, I this one just popped in my head uh you know a guy like uh like mike wright at vanderbilt uh went into the portal uh mike wright's parents are ut grads um if i, if I remember correctly uh covered him uh, i think his i think his freshman year um that's a guy who can who's played in the sec played reasonably well can can run the ball really well. It's real dynamic. He, he's not a passer, and that's a guy that actually in between his eligibility is somewhere in between Nico and, and Joe Milton's. Is that a guy that's good enough to bring in? He doesn't really fit your offense necessarily, but he'd be a serviceable guy to to play if needed. I just use him as an example because you know anybody that you get is probably going to have some flaws of what based on what you want. You need a guy that can run this offense to a serviceable degree, um, but you're just not going to get really good players. You're just not going to get a four-star, five-star. There, there are still some good quarterbacks in the portal. They're, they're not going to look at Tennessee as their first option. But if you get to May, some of those guys that think they'll get a better option might not. And so maybe Tennessee's uh, 
you know, its pitch sounds a little better in May. But it, again, it's a, it's a game of chicken. Uh, you know, they have to look at their options and you have to look at yours. I can't imagine Michael Wright, uh, aside from his parents' degrees from UT, wanting to come to UT and sit on the bench. But since Adam brought this up, I think he should be charged with uh, developing that story. I, I would just talk to the guy, Adam, and, and see what he says. I think it's worth the story. I'm wondering if maybe Tennessee should look to its past. What about Harrison Bailey, former Vol? He he's he had a <laughs> don't laugh at him. He had some he has experience in this system, wasn't he here for an entire season in 2021? Um, not a great arm and not really a runner, but he's he's very accurate. He went off to UNLV and uh from what I saw, and admittedly, I didn't follow the running Rebels game by game, but I remember watching on TV, and there was another quarterback starting. He actually looked pretty good, very athletic, and he could run. So if Harrison Bailey's looking at things and saying, hey, I, I'm i just not making it as starting quarterback in college football, I try. Why not go back home? Go back home to Tennessee where he was. Or what about Brian Maurer? No oh, mercy. <laughs> I th- I'm, I'm detecting a theme here. <laughs> you well, got any, Jared Garantano got any eligibility left, John? We, uh, how about Keller Christ? <laughs> Keller Christ. <laughs> no, they don't, but I think Brian Maurer does, and he went off to Stephen F. Austin. Uh, I don't know if he played any there, but if he didn't, maybe like he seemed to like it here at Tennessee if, if Brian Maurer pledged been. to be a Vol for life, and then four days later, whatever it was, he was in the transfer portal. Well, I mean, if, Harrison ba- if Harrison Bailey comes back, you then have two five-stars. So I don't think you can go wrong there, Nico and Harrison Bailey. I don't think that would divide the uh, fan base at all either. I think you'd be fine. <laughs> Could have a five-star you. Okay. That's yeah, my I- contribution, Blake. Yeah, I think if I could have Mike Wright or Harrison Bailey – uh brian mauer at all i i would i would love to have mike Wright if if he's in play but <laughs> to your point john i don't i don't know if he'll want to be a third string quarterback harrison bailey could come here and and his spot on the depth chart would be unchanged right you go from being a third string qb at one school to another might as well do it in the sec so maybe but, you're on to something there by the way let me point this out because i have gotten a number of questions uh, of this nature from tennessee fans um can they not just go with Gaston Moore and Navy Schuler, the two walk-ons, and then that, that gives you four quarterbacks, and, you know, you got four quarterbacks, just play the season. The answer to that is absolutely no, no. I mean, G- Gaston Moore is actually a pretty serviceable SEC walk-on. He was at UCF. He's he's fine. He, people seen him play a little bit. He's fine for a walk-on um, as your number four. Uh, Navy Schuler, uh knows the offense well he can run it okay he's not his dad guys take the last name and put it away he's a walk-on quarterback who is serviceable as a walk-on quarterback um you have to have i mean have to have a minimum of three scholarship quarterbacks i mean that's even strange now because we you know, we've known for decades how this was always done was four scholarship quarterbacks. You sign a quarterback every year or you get a transfer and you have one quarterback per class. You carry four. And that was always the norm. 
having less than that has only become a little bit of the norm in the transfer portal era because your number four scholarship quarterback is not going to sit around if he can go to wherever mid-major FCS and start tomorrow. Um, so they have to get three. I mean, you even think about this, uh, you know, this past season, uh, Hendon Hooker goes down and uh, well, at first Taven Jackson went down in the Martin game and then Hendon Hooker went down. And, uh, you know, by the end of it, uh, you know, you've got you've got Joe Milton and two walk-ons in uh, available in your bowl game. You, you can't have that again. I mean, three is actually a small number. You would want four. But again, uh, you, you can go with three. There's no way they go through this whole pro- whole process and don't add somebody. And, and, and by the way, the, the, there is if they could get somebody in between those two, Milton and Nico, in terms of eligibility, it does work out well in the future because they're, you know, there's they have two years until this is looking way ahead, but they have two years until the McIntyre kid at Brentwood Academy, who's the number two or three player in the country in that class. He's just a sophomore this year. Um, that that he could he could come in if you could get an early commitment for him because I, I don't think Tennessee's going to be signing quarterbacks every year out of high school with Nico there and still bringing in transfers. That's just I, I don't think that's plausible. You know what's interesting, guys? I think the programs now with the most quarterback depth maybe have the worst quarterback situations. <laughs> if we think back to, to the beginning beginning of last year. Like Texas A&M had a three-man quarterback competition between Haynes King, Max Johnson, and Connor Wigman. Uh, if you think about Auburn, they had a three-man quarterback competition between uh, T.J. Finley, Zach Calzada, and Robbie Ashford. Well, how'd that work out for those programs? They had quarterback problems all year, and and I think you can apply that outward as well. If if you got three quarterbacks in your competition, it probably means none of them are very good. That's why you're able to go into the season with three quarterbacks uh, all in competition. None of them have transferred because they all think they can win the job. Um, if you're in a good, pretty good shape with your quarterback position, like like Tennessee is with Joe Milton, a veteran who they think can win the job, uh, and then you have a five-star guy coming in who they think highly of, or I say coming in, he's already here, and Nico, you know, that's a pretty good quarterback situation. So you're not going to have a ton of quality depth there once you get past the number two guy. I think of the two scenarios, I'd rather be in Tennessee's case where you might have to scramble to find that third scholarship quarterback. And and I think to Adam's point, the days of getting to four scholarship quarterbacks are, are really hard in a program where you have a guy or two that you like as, as potential starters. But I'd still rather be in Tennessee's scenario where you like two guys quite a bit and maybe you're thin on the back end, then you have three or four guys in competition, but you really don't like any of them. And I think there's even another angle to this of what's best for, for Nico. Uh, I mean, we're making this assumption or everybody, I guess, makes this assumption that it's, well, it's Joe Milton's job and then it's Nico's job. And even within the season, if Joe Milton got hurt, okay, well then Nico comes in and everything's fine. Um, it's better if you have a five-star to have a buffer there. A, a serviceable buffer because, you know, I mean, Nico, from everything we understand, looked really good in bowl practices, but that was just running the scout team. He'll have a full spring practice, and I'll bet by the time you get to fall, he he looks like a guy who has SEC, high-end SEC talent. But learning the offense and being ready to play very early as a true freshman in the SEC, 
that's difficult for any any freshman to do. Um, and, you know, Joe Milton, when he was a starter uh, in the 2021 season, got hurt halfway through his second game. Um, and Hooker got hurt uh, this past year. Uh, Taven Jackson got hurt. Uh, you're you're probably at some point that the likelihood is you're probably at some point going to have to go to your number two quarterback in a game that matters within this next season, just because that's usually what happens, even if it's for the short term. And there needs to be a, a good buffer there that if Nico is not ready, you don't have to throw him out there. And Taven Jackson was the perfect buffer there. He's no longer here. So you know, I, I would say that's one pitch that Tennessee is making to potential portal guys is is that, you know, we've got this guy. We want to develop him over the long term. We don't want to throw him out there. And and you're probably good enough to beat him out right now. And if you are, then you're probably going to play some this season. I think that's the pitch that you that you have to make because uh, you don't want to force Nico out there. Um, I mean, whether he's in a real competition with Joe Milton or he's forced out there because of injury, the worst thing you can do to any quarterback, but especially to a five-star freshman is ruin him by throwing him in a game in the swamp or, you know, at Alabama or wherever and have all this pressure on him, have him not be ready, throw a couple of picks and lose his confidence. And so that that's why that, that additional quarterback matters so much. I think the best case scenario for Tennessee would be if if Joe Milton uh, played really well and was number one, the number one guy, and that the Clemson game was a preview of what he can do in this offense. Uh, the, I don't think anybody disputes Nico's talent, his athleticism, his throwing ability, but he's not really thick. And I, I wonder physically, I just wonder, he's a pretty thin guy. I just wonder how he would hold up. Let's just say he won the job right away, won it in preseason. He's the best guy. You go with your best guy, but how well would he hold up against SEC defenses over the course of a season taking all those hits? Adam mentioned Tennessee's track record with injured quarterbacks recently. So that would be a concern to me. I just think it would be ideal – if Joe Milton can be the guy and Nico is uh, plays as a backup and then he's ready to go in 2024, that might not be ideal for Nico. He may expect to come in and start. And maybe just the fact that he's not particularly big, I mean, he's tall, but he, he doesn't have the weight that perhaps you would like from an SEC quarterback. Maybe that won't be a factor. Maybe he's uh, – Maybe he's one of those wiry guys that doesn't get hurt. Guys, let's change gears, but stay uh, in this in this area. And uh, we haven't touched on Tennessee's change at offensive coordinator. The last time we met on the pod here, Tennessee had needed to replace Alex Golish. He departed after a couple of seasons on Josh Heupel's staff to become the head coach at South Florida. And Josh Heupel made what seemed like kind of the obvious move. I don't think it was too controversial at all. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Is he promoted Joey Halsley, his quarterback's coach, someone who's been with Josh Heupel for many, many years on back down the line. You can you can trace their time together back to uh, Joey Halsley uh, being on Oklahoma's roster as a player, Josh Heupel being on the staff uh, back there with the Sooners. So you know, they're two guys very familiar with each other. He gets promoted to the OC spot. 
What do we think this means for the staff going forward, how Josh Heupel will handle the offense, play calling, et cetera? And do you guys like this hire of, of doing things internally, going with the familiar face, you know, as, as your OC, or would you have been, you know, intrigued by the possibility of, of Mr. Outside hire in this scenario? I mean, I like it um, because it's it seems very sensible. What what they have offensively is working, you know, as well as any offense in the country is working. Number one in scoring and total offense this past year. Um, you, you, so you want continuity. Um, you know, Josh Hopple is going to be the pl- the primary play caller, but then Joey Halsley will have an opportunity to maybe take a little bit of that play calling away from him over time. That that's. Sort of what we understand uh, happened with Alex Golish, uh, who was at UCF for one year with Hypo and then um, at Tennessee for two years, is that it was a gradual process, sort of an evolution uh, of taking a few things away. I, we never got a straight answer of how much the play calling was done by one co- by, by Hypo or Golish and when it sort of started to transition over. I, I, I gather, I, I think what happened is uh, Golish was calling situationally, you know, he had, he, he called the red zone plays. He would call like the third down plays, goal line plays, those sort of things. And then gradually he got more and more play calling. And I mean, they, they're very, very efficient in their communication. Golish was upstairs. Hoppel was downstairs. You know, they kind of had, had one mind and, uh, a suggestion would met was made or a call was made. It would get quick approval and they would, they would run it. Uh, Joey Halsley has been up in the booth for, you know, 12, 15 years at like five different schools with Josh Hopple. He's been his eyes up there forever. There's not going to be any sort of like, uh, adjustment period for those guys. He's just going to be speaking up a little more into the headset, uh, with Golish gone. Halsley is. Um, so I think that's going to be fine. I, I think the interesting tidbit to it is that Halsley is going to be designing and preparing the offense more as the offensive coordinator. A lot of his work will be what Golish did during the week. Halsley will take over uh, that regardless of what he does on game day. And he's the quarterback's coach, which means you've, you've got a direct line from the offensive coordinator to the head coach about who's working best at quarterback before there was a little bit more layers there with Golish and, you know, there was sort of a sort of a group think of who the best quarterback is and who makes the offense run. Uh, there's not going to be any questions of who needs to be quarterback with Joey Halsley so, sort of uh, making both calls. I think that led a little bit into the Taven Jackson decision, by the way, because if it was clear to Taven Jackson that his quarterback's coach thought Milton was better and then Nico was going to be better, well, that's now the offensive coordinator. So you're, there's not somebody else for you to go to to sort of make your case. And in the competition, potentially between Milton and Nico, you know, again, it's going to be streamlined. You're, you're not going to have a whole lot of different thoughts in the room. Whoever Joey Halsley thinks will run his offense the best, that's the quarterback he's going to go with. I think the least of Tennessee concerns would be offensive play calling. Josh Heupel might be the best play caller in college football right now so whomever he he deems is uh his coordinator i i would trust his judgment on that and I, i'm sure as adam said he will be the lead uh, this is a great situation i think tennessee could have attracted a promising offensive coordinator uh because who might be interested in learning this system 
this is the hottest offensive system in the country right now, what Tennessee did with it. So we saw Gullish get a head coaching job from being the offensive coordinator. So I think it would have been attractive to a lot of, of assistant coaches. But I really trust Heupel's uh, judgment on this. So I'm sure, as, as Adam pointed out, the continuity would be a plus. Uh, I don't think Tennessee has any problems in this area. By the way, looking ahead, if Alex Golish, if his offense is successful at South Florida, look for people to go after Joey Halsley next offseason. Because, <laughs> the, you, you know, the question is, well, is this 100% Heupel's offense? Or like John said, can it be sort of passed on to somebody else? And if it if it shows that that if it's demonstrated that Alex Golish that offense was passed on to him and then he took it somewhere else and was successful, um, look for people to go after Joey Halsley in the same way and say whatever you have there, bring a little bit of that here. And if that happened again, jumping way ahead, Joey Halsley would have a pretty difficult decision because he is a lifetime assistant of Josh Heupel. And I don't know if he wants to one day be a head coach or run his own offense completely or not, but uh, that that's, that's in a good way, maybe in a bad way, but mostly in a good way. That's what Tennessee is going to deal with as long as their offense is this good. Yeah. Right. That, that, that is, I think the ultimate compliment is, is when other staffs are, or other schools are trying to hire away your guys for, for higher level positions. It means they like what, what Tennessee is doing. Of course, we've seen the other side of that coin um, in some years past before Josh Heupel got here where uh, you couldn't have given away some of the, some of the members of, of Tennessee's coaching staff. You couldn't have paid other schools to take them. And, and as I said, I think it's a compliment now uh, to Alex Golish in particular that South Florida thought enough of this offense and this system um, and, and Alex Golish himself, that it made him its head coach. All right, guys, uh, we will leave it there and continue to monitor these topics throughout the, the offseason, in particular uh, Tennessee's quarterback competition and, and what that depth may look like uh, going forward and their quest maybe to, to add another body to that competition at some point, whether it be now or after spring practice. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Volunteer State.